Hi, welcome everybody. This is the new a new episode of Life Legacy and the Law. My name is Sophia Kant. I am a, a partner with Stockton and Kant. Uh, we have law offices in Kansas City. And this is my partner. You want to introduce yourself? Yep. So um, Glenn Stockton, I'm the managing uh, partner here um, at the firm. So welcome everybody. We're going to talk about exciting stuff today. Yes, we are. So um, we are an estate planning firm, estate planning and elder law firm in the Kansas City area. So what we talk about today is in regards to Kansas and Missouri area. Um, this is, again, no way legal advice, um, but you know you may be listening from a different state and a different jurisdiction with different laws. So this is just a general topic of you know what we're going to be talking about today. We haven't introduced it yet, but um, so this is just general information. Um, so I want to start with that, but Let's start. Always got to play the lawyer part and do the legal disclaimer, don't you? Yeah, so, yeah. All right, Sophia, why don't you, before we get into today's topic, why don't you recap uh, a little bit about what we talked about last week? Okay. So last week we talked about really incapacitation documents, not necessarily incapacitation, but what documents can we do to help us manage our affairs during our lifetime? So we talked about the financial power of attorney, the healthcare power of attorney, the HIPAA, the living will, those documents that say, that say, you know, if we become incapacitated or need some assistance, who can manage our affairs for us? Um, and so that helps us avoid guardianship, um, conservatorship. So we talked about those documents last week. This week is going to be a little bit different. So you want to introduce the topic for this week? Yeah. So this week we're going to talk about probate, right? What is it? And why is it something we typically want to avoid? So let me start that by um, giving a legal definition of what is probate. And probate, it would be legally defined as the court-supervised administration of an estate. So it's going to involve the court, right? It's going to be supervised by the court. Um, administration of estate serves three primary functions. Number one, to gather up and inventory the assets. Number two, to pay or otherwise settle creditor claims, right? So we've got to gather up the assets, pay the bills. And number three, to distribute out whatever's left after we paid all the um, bills and settled credit claims to distribute out whatever's left to the rightful heirs or beneficiaries. And remember, heirs are the people that take under the state plan, the I didn't get a plan put in place. Those are heirs at law versus beneficiaries where the people take under the will. So if we're probating a will, we go through that administration process and distribute it out to the beneficiaries of the will. If we didn't have a will, we go through the administration process and we distribute out the property to the rightful um, heirs at law. So that would be a legal definition. But Sophia, we often talk to people about, you know, let's think about this in easier terms, really. What is probate really about? What is the function of probate? So give us a functional definition of what is probate? Yeah. So probate is the process where we title assets that are in a deceased person's name, and we're retitling those assets to a living person. Um, that's really the function of probate. All boils down to just that. So pretty, yep. pretty simple definition. Taking property from somebody who's dead, retitling them to life. That's it. Yep. All right. Let's talk about problems of probate. Um, and, you know, we've all heard horror stories mm -hmm. of, uh, of probate, um, you know, we've seen the stories of the big stars as they go through this process and that. So let's talk about the, the problems as they relate to most people what they see. So let's start with the time frame. 
Um, what is the average length of time that it takes to get through the probate process once a probate matter is actually filed with the court? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So once it's filed with the court, generally it takes about a year to a year and a half to go through the whole process, uh, the whole probate process. Now that's average time, right? We have a little bit quick, we can do a little bit quicker of a process and a little bit longer of a process. Well, we can do quite a bit longer of a process too, but most average year to year and a half is what we see most probate processes or cases go through. Absolutely agree. What's the average cost? Ooh, so average cost can be between eight to 10% of the total probate, you know, assets. So the value of those assets, eight to 10%. So that can be quite a bit, you know, if you have a lot of assets to go through probate, that can be quite a bit of money, right? So that one real estate, that one, you know, your one house that you own, that's all that has to go through probate. You think it's pretty simple, but how much, how much does that house cost you? Well, you know, if it costs a hundred thousand dollars, if we're taking eight to 10% of that, and that's how much probate costs, that's quite a bit of money, right? So, um, you know, the fees, with probate can really depend on the type of probate that we have to do, how much assets we have, how happy your beneficiaries are. Um, but I would say really on average, eight to 10% of the value of your probate assets, um, that's what it's gonna cost you to go through probate. Right, and you know, in the days of the $100,000 home, at least here in Johnson County where we're located, um, those days are long gone, right? So instead of, eight to ten thousand dollars in probate costs for a hundred thousand dollar home you know we're looking at a four hundred thousand dollar homes and on up and so now we're 32 to forty thousand okay so so we're eight to ten percent let's break that down though what what are those costs comprised of i mean why is it so expensive what are, what do we have to pay for through probate there's lots of little fees here and there right so we've got um, we've got executor compensation, the executor, your personal representative, whoever, who's ever serving to manage your estate, they've got to be compensated. Court fees. Oh, they have to be or can be. They don't necessarily have to be, but oftentimes they will. Okay. The uh, court fees, we've got court fees, we've got legal fees, we've got notification publication fees. We've got to notify all of our creditors. We've got to notify all of our beneficiaries that we have this probate estate going on. Um, we may have to post a bond. Um, that's quite that can be quite a bit of money, or we can waive it. Every time we file something with the court, though, there's more fees associated with that. So um, we've got just lots of fees coming into that. So really, the more complex the probate uh, is, you know process is, the more money it's going to be. Right. So we got you know just to get it started, you've got the court filing fee and recording okay. fees to get it started. Um, the bond, the court can waive the bond requirement, but by statute, the executor is required to post bond unless it's waived. So we've got that fee. And and uh, as you said, the executor may have compensation fees, the attorney fees or legal fees that are coming in, appraisal fees, um, okay. because the court's going to require the property be appraised so they can establish, you know, for the legal record, what the value of the property is. We're going to have... Um, you know, transfer fees, liquidation fees, um, publication fees to run notices um, in, in the paper, taxes, and all these fees add up and it, it, it can be a significant amount of money. But as we said in our, when we talked about the, the three basic plans, um, 
these are expenses that are incurred after someone's dead, right? So they're not paying it, but their estate is paying for that. So it's an expensive way to do it. So it's time consuming. Um, it's expensive. Let's then look at um, how probate works. And then we'll come back to, I think this will maybe lead us to one of the other problems with probate. But let's boil break down probate as to what probate looks like for somebody who does not have a will versus mm -hmm. probate for somebody who does have a will. Okay. So walk us through those. All right. Well, let's start off with the what happens if somebody doesn't have a will. So we call this the do nothing plan. So each state has specific laws to say this is what happens to your assets upon your death. So if you have no, a no will, no, you've not made that plan before you die, now our assets are to be distributed according to the laws of whatever state you're living in. So the state has a plan for you, right? You don't get to make that decision anymore. You're dead. The state now decides where your assets go. So if you're married, and this is general, if you're married, and let's say, you know, let's take a traditional family. So you're married, you have two children. In under state law in Kansas, half of your assets upon your death will go to your spouse. Only half. And the remaining half are going to be split between your two children equally. Now, that's under Kansas, um, but that really shocks a lot of people, right? They think upon their death, their spouse is going to get their assets and they're going to continue on. But no, half of your assets go to your spouse. The other half go to your children. What happens if one of your children has drug issues, gambling issues? They're irresponsible with money. The law doesn't care, right? So that portion that's supposed to be going to that child is still going to go to that child regardless of their issues. If they're special needs, it still goes to that child. So um, that's something that I think a lot of people don't think about either. But if you die, you have no will, the state has a plan for you. So that's what happens with no will. So if now let's talk about if you have a will, what happens if you have a will? So this is a lot, this is really different um, depending on what state you're in. But I mean, I say really different. It's, a little bit different, but most states are very similar in how the probate process flows. So when you have a will, you're going to have to wait for that death certificate. You got to get that death certificate. And obviously you're not going to anymore. You're dead, but somebody is going to have to get that death certificate from the state. And then they're going to have to file it in with the court to prove that you are now deceased. Along with that death certificate, they're going to now need to file in a petition to start the whole probate proceeding. So once we've started that, um, now we've got to locate that will, that original will that you have. It has to be the original will. It can't be a copy of that will. So we've got to locate that original will and file that in with the court. The court's going to look at that will to make sure that it's a valid will. It meets all of the legal requirements in that state um, and that it you know, was signed by you. Um, so they have to just authenticate that will. The, and there is a process, though, if, if they if the original cannot be found, there is right. a process, correct, by which we can authenticate right. a copy of a will. But it's more hoops we have to jump through. Right. Yep. So so once we locate that will, we file that will in. And now in, in the will, it says who the executor is going to be. So the modern term of the executor is personal representative. So you may have heard of that, but most people know executor. So we're going to go with that here. So you in your will, you've appointed an executor. So the court has to find that executor and appoint them to actually serve in that position. 
Um, the court's also going to make a determination to, to make sure that they are okay serving in that position. So we're going to appoint the executor to serve, and they may have to post a bond as well. Um, the bond protects the beneficiary. So if the executor makes an error, messes things up, that bond just protects the beneficiary. So they could post a bond. Um, in most jurisdictions, they can also waive that bond, but they're going to have to go and ask the court for permission to waive that bond. Um, after executors are appointed, we now have to notify lots of different people, entity, people and entities, right? So we need to notify all potential creditors. We need to send out that notification, any credit card debt, any unpaid hospital bills, all of those things. They now have a chance to come back and make a claim on the estate and get paid for that debt. So we have to notify everybody and all the potential creditors of that probate that that probate has started. We also have to notify all the potential heirs and locate those beneficiaries. So if we have an executor who is managing the estate and you weren't really clear on who the beneficiaries were, or let's say you, you know, your will is pretty outdated, which we'll talk about a little bit more about why we should update it. But let's say your will is outdated and you've named, you know, friends and family from a long time ago. Now that executor has to go find those people possibly through some online searches, find those people um, and notify them of this probate process. We have to locate all of the assets of the probate estate. Um, and then we have to value all of those assets. So those more special, that more special property, like that real estate, we've got to hire a professional to assess the value of that property. So um, we've got to locate all the property and figure out what the value of, the, of all that property is worth. Um, we talked about we got to pay those debts. We've got to pay any taxes due. All the legal fees have to be paid, court fees. Um, executor may be compensated. Um, if, you know, if they are going to be compensated, they have to be paid out. All that money has to be paid out first. So we pay out all those expenses. Finally, then once we've done all of that, now we're ready to distribute out the property to the beneficiaries named in the will. So there's a lot of steps involved. As we said before, um, it can go pretty, you know, pretty quickly. When I say pretty quickly, uh, about a year to year and a half to go through all of those steps, as long as everyone is compliant, as long as everything's pretty easy um, and straightforward. But it takes time to go through all of that. And about you're looking at about a year to a year and a half before we finally get to that last step of distributing the assets out to the beneficiaries named in that will. Um, so. That's what happens if we have a well. A lot of steps there. Yeah, and, and which leads, I think, to the third problem. We're talking about the cost, the time involved. And then the third thing that uh, we see with probate is an increase in the amount of family fighting and, and you know, discord that uh, happens. Um, definitely increasing. I always tell people, think of that notice that goes sent out when the will, you know, the petition's filed to... Um, probate the will and a copy is being sent out. Um, I refer to that copy often as the ticket to the fight, right? Uh, as we go in, because it just seems like, you know, when we don't have this stuff planned out well, and it's going through the probate process, and there's costs and the delays, you know, kids and the beneficiaries are wanting to get to their money and they can't, and they're blaming, uh, you know, the executor often for, you know, uh, taking so long and, and they don't fully understand why all these costs are associated with it. And there's just this discord. All right. So those are problems with probate. So about another common problem that we see, Sophia, and you kind of hinted at it a little bit, talked there as you were giving that description. But it is 
the outdated will, which we see all of the time. People come in and they have done some will planning, but it's been a long time ago that they created their will and a lot has changed. So let's talk a little bit about the problems when we're having to probate, but the will we're probating is outdated. Right. Yep. That's something, like you said, we see all the time. So, um, you know, you, you turn 18, you create that will. I'm an adult. I'm going to create that will and be responsible. Great. You have that will in place. You get married. You have a child. You have another child. Um, you know, that child gets married, changes their last name. That child has a grandchild. So, uh, you know, has a child, your grandchild. And so as life goes on, things change. And if you're not updating that will, you're making things a lot more difficult for probate at the end of your death or at the end of your life. Um, like I said before, that executor now has to go, you know, you were when you were 18 and you named that brother and then your best friend as a beneficiary, that executor now has to go and search through all of these online records to find those individuals. So you really need to make sure that you're keeping your will updated. Um, you you get married, maybe your last name changes. You need to make sure that your will is being updated. Your child gets married, their last name changes. Just keeping that will updated so that we are making sure that there's no issues that we have to resolve in the court. And one of the, the ones that we see frequently is, you know, that the, the will names their ex-spouse as the uh, beneficiary, right? And they've gone through divorce. Now, there, there's some protections in the law that help uh, protect there. But I would just tell you, it's one of those things. You yeah. need to keep these documents up to date. We have a process in our firm, as we talked about before, you know, the annual check-in or what we call annual review, just to, you know, check-in and, and we're just confirming, you know, names, everybody's names spelled correctly. We haven't had name changes. We got everybody in the right position, who the beneficiaries are, who's making financial decisions if we can, who's making the healthcare decisions. And we have a you know process just to go through and just verify that stuff. And if we just stay on top of it, it's usually small little incremental changes, but people, you know, they've done their will and it's been 25 years ago. And uh, the reason they did their will is because they had a child and they were worried about who's going to raise the kids that we have there. And now they added a couple other kids since the will was done and gone through a divorce and, you know, everything's outdated. So just stay, stay on top of that um, with that. Okay. Um, here's a question for you. Is probate necessary? Does everybody have to go through probate? Is this just necessary evil and pain that we're all going to have to deal with? No, absolutely not. It is not a necessary evil. Um, as long as you take the necessary steps during your lifetime and while you have capacity, you can absolutely avoid probate completely. So no, it, it's something that can be avoided. Um, well, I guess when I say you can absolutely avoid probate, maybe not necessarily if you do a, a trust-based plan, we'll build in some protections um, to make sure that, you know, what happens upon your death? you die in a car accident and now your estate is being awarded a sum of money. So there might not, it's not foolproof that we can avoid probate, but we can sure make sure that it is very easy. If we have to go through probate and with almost certainty, we can avoid probate. Um, right, for the vast majority of people we're going to avoid, but what we can't do right. is, you know, well, what do you do? There's a wrongful death claim. You know, we couldn't plan for that in advance. You didn't know you were going to be wrongfully killed. And so we can't plan for that. And so whatever money is recovered in the wrongful death claim will be payable to your estate. And guess what? Your 
trust didn't work on it. There was no beneficiary set up on that. And so, you know, we're either going to go be going by way of will or the do nothing plan for the monies recovered in that. There can be a couple other scenarios, but they're unlikely. So for the vast majority of the time, we can easily avoid probate. And there's really, you know, a couple primary ways we do that. So walk us through the process. If our only goal in our estate plan is to avoid probate at death, how can somebody do that? That's easy. That's our only goal to avoid probate. Um, there's a couple different options you have. So one of those options is to make sure a beneficiary is designated on all of your assets. That's the easy thing to do, right? You go to your bank, you name a beneficiary on your bank accounts, your money market account, your IRAs, your life insurance policies, your house, even you can name a beneficiary of your house. That's through like a beneficiary deed or a transfer on death deed that you file in um, with the county. But you can you can name a beneficiary of your house. You can name a beneficiary of your vehicles. All of those assets that you have, you can name a beneficiary of. So if we you name put, a go ahead. I say we can put beneficiaries on virtually everything we have, right? It's just mm -hmm. in the home, but we have to do it by way of a deed for that specific home. Each piece of real estate has to have its own, um, you know, deed filed in while you're alive. We can put it on each individual car by recording it on the title of the car. And as you said, all those financial accounts, life insurance, retirement accounts, all those can have named beneficiaries. Right. Yep. And that will avoid probate? It avoids probate. Yeah, you've named that beneficiary. I guess it avoids probate so long as the beneficiary does their part, right? They have to stay alive and well. But yeah, so easy. And that's what I tell people. That's our only goal. Guys, that's easy. We'll just put use beneficiary designations. Right. What does a yep. beneficiary designation do for us while we're alive? Absolutely nothing. Right, right. No um, but passes the asset on to that named person at death. Okay. Mm -hmm. right. What are some other things, ways we can, um, what would be our other way of avoiding probate? Well, we could take our asset and add a joint owner of our asset with that right, that survivorship right. So, I could take my my bank account and I could add my um, my child or my spouse as a joint owner on there. Um, upon my death, that other owner now is the sole owner of that account. So that's one easy way, another easy way to avoid probate. Yeah, and here I tell people, think of it as we're delaying probate, right? So in order for that to avoid probate, our joint tenant um, has to do their part and stay alive and well, again, just like, like they do as a named beneficiary, right? Because if they predecease us, oops, you know, that didn't work. Or if they die simultaneously with us, husband and wife are joint tenants on, you know, a piece of property and they die in a common accident. Well, gosh, now we're back into probate. But so joint tenancy is a way to delay it, right? Till the death of the last joint tenant. And I tell people, think of joint tenancy as last one standing wins, uh, as they go in. So, okay. Yeah. So joint tenant beneficiary designations can avoid it. Joint tenancy can avoid, or at least delay it. Um, what's another way we can avoid? Probate? Well, well, here's an easy one. You can give away everything, give away all of your assets before you die. Yeah. Right. You got nothing. You got nothing to probate. Um, not really generally recommended to do that. Um, you need money to live off of. You don't know, you know, what your expenses are going to be. The older you get, the more, you, you know, you may have some care needs. Um, there's 
several different reasons why it's not a good idea to give away all of your assets. Um, some things I think we'll talk about in more detail in later um, episodes is taxes, right? You're going to be hit or your beneficiaries are going to be hit. The, the person that you're gifting to, um, there's going to be some serious tax implications by just gifting property away during your lifetime. Um, yeah, we, and we see that frequently and it's usually the, you know, it's a, it's a self-help remedy, right? People have thought, oh, I know how I'll avoid probate. I'll just mm -hmm. uh, put my kid's name on here. Maybe it's gifting it to them by putting them on as a joint tenant, which created some tax uh, implications where they just don't know it until they go to sell the property after your death and they didn't get the step up, at least not the full step up in basis. Now they have, um, you know, capital gains tax issues there. Um, or they just say, wait, wait, I'm just going to get my name off there. Maybe they do it because this will avoid probate. And for Medicaid purposes, you know, shoot, as long as I do it five or more years before I need to go into long-term care, they can't take my assets. So they just gift it over to the kids and put their names on there. Yes, it avoided probate. If it was more than five years before and you go into nursing care, you know, you're, you, you're protected there. But again, you didn't do those kids favors. They just Nobody realizes yet. Okay, right. so we right. can we can put beneficiaries. We can use joint tenancy. We can give the assets away. Another right. way we can do it is with a trust, right? We right. can use a trust. So how does a trust avoid probate? So okay, so we talked about what probate is, right? Probate is the process of taking assets titled in a deceased person's name and retitling that to a living person's name. Well, with the trust, we take your assets that are titled now in your name during your lifetime. And we've now retitled the assets to your trust. So upon your lifetime, while you're living, those assets are titled in the name of your trust. Upon your incapacitation, those assets are titled in the name of your trust. Guess what? Upon your death, those assets continue to be titled in the name of your trust. There's no process and no time there that we need to stop and retitle those assets because now the trust is deceased, right? The trust doesn't die. So, um, you know, whereas probate, we got to retitle it to find a living person to, to own those assets. The trust continues on. So um, we can really avoid probate just by having that trust and properly funding the trust. Right. So, so trusts are fantastic um, estate planning vehicles in a, in a way that one of their benefits and just one of many benefits, but one of them is that they do avoid probate. So, um, as long as it was titled the trust, you know, and, and then there's, if we have really small estates, um, you know, that don't have a lot of value, uh, at least we don't need a formal probate process right. in those situations either. Correct. Right. So we can do a more simplified probate process if we have, um, you know, a low, just small amount of assets to probate. Um, we can really avoid the full probate process. We call that in most states, a simplified probate process. So, um, you know, that, I guess that would be a way, right? You can gift away your assets or you can just keep little to nothing um, during your life. By, what we call probate by affidavit because, you know, we're under in Kansas, that value is 40,000, right? So the state $40,000 or less, then we, we don't have to go through um, formal probate. We can just use an affidavit as a way to get the title changed um, without going in. So, all right. So anything else you want to say about probate before we talk about what next week's topic is? No, let's do it. All right. So, um, 
you know, we talked about how wills have to go through probate, trust avoid probate. Well, next week we're going to really look at wills versus trust because while we've talked about the benefits um, of trust, you know, we're not attorneys who believe everybody needs a trust. These other techniques that we talked today as a way to avoid probate when coupled with a will can be very effective. And so we can use beneficiary designations and joint tenancy and, you know, and have the will there as a, as a backup, um, what I refer to as a sweater in the suitcase. Um, and we have it there if we need it, but we're using beneficiary designations or some other technique as a way to avoid um, probate. But there's, you know, that's really all those beneficiary designations do is pass that asset on. So we're going to talk next week about wills versus trust. We're going to look at pros and cons of, of each one. So um, looking forward to that one. Uh, that'll be one where we'll really roll up our sleeves and dive into how those documents work and, and what's required. So anyhow, looking forward to that one. All right. Well, have a happy Memorial Day, I guess. We next time we'll see you will be after Memorial Day, right? Yeah, that's crazy. It uh, you know, just keeps going. But we'll have to have an episode one time of the book that I keep talking about, um, four thousand weeks. And uh, when I say it, I, I remember um you remember the movie Sophia uh Dead Poet Society, mm, where oh, yeah. whispering to the students, you know, Seize the day, boys. Well, 4,000 weeks has that kind of message for me. And uh, because, and I didn't realize this before, but 4,000 weeks represents the average life expectancy. It's approximately 80 years. And we only have 4,000 weeks from the time we are born into this world. And uh, those of us listening to this, certainly yeah. uh, those recording, uh, I don't have 4,000 weeks left anymore. So it's about being intentional um, with the time that we have, you know, the kind of carpe diem, seize the day. So that, that might be good as we talk about life, legacy, and the law, and that, that life piece of being intentional with our time and how we spend it. So that might be a good topic uh, yeah. sometime to discuss, but not next week. Next yeah. week, wills versus trust. So we'll keep it the really interesting stuff, really roll up our sleeves. All right, everybody, have a great Memorial Day weekend. Sophia, thank you. All right. And, uh, all yeah, right. Thank you.